Imagine if this happened to you. You go to bed one night and wake up the next day as a multi-millionaire. How would your life change? How would others see you? How would you see yourself? A few months ago, Kyle Jameson found himself in exactly this position. Yeah, I think the first, well, until I got to India, I think that whole time period was was that I think every person I bumped into in the street was wanting to talk about the IPO, want to talk about the money. There's a lot of financial conversations. And at this point, I was also like, I haven't made anything. Like, yes, the auctions happened, but nothing's sitting in my bank account. And it all started with the auction for the 2021 edition of the Indian Premier League. Jameson had made his debut for the Black Caps only about a year before. He had never played in Asia, and most of his cricket was played back at home in New Zealand. But as a tall, fast bowler who could swing the ball and bat a bit, he was in high demand at the IPL auction. RCB bought him for rupees 15 crores. That's around 2.5 million US dollars. He was our most expensive player ever, and all for someone whom not many casual cricket fans had ever heard of before. Then came the tough part. How does a player deal with that kind of expectation? Hi, I'm Kyle Jamieson, and welcome to the RCB podcast. I'm going to tell you how the IPL has changed my life. From the Royal Challengers Bangalore and ATS Studio, this is the RCB podcast powered by Kotak Mahindra Bank, where we talk to people who make the biggest cricket league in the world happen and ask them how the IPL changed their life. I'm Danish Seth. Show your team some love. Get the Kotak RCB debit and credit card. SMS my team to 5676788 or visit kotak.com. Terms and conditions apply. Jesus, a big question. Um, yeah, I think it certainly changed my life a lot. I think we'll get into it, but the auction, the, um, I guess the price tag sort of changed everything as well. And it's probably sped things up in terms of where I saw myself in my career in terms of trying to get um, an opportunity in the IPL and kind of was progressing along, I guess, in small steps and stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, bang, you're here. And um, look, it's been a dream dream come true, really. I think every cricketer who's grown up watching the IPL has dreamed of being in this in this position in terms of just being involved in some capacity. So to come to such a um, iconic franchise and um, to get my first taste has been, yeah, has been pretty unreal. It's funny, but for many people, the IPL auction is almost as thrilling to follow as an IPL match. It's fast-paced. It's full of twists and turns, and you see things that make your jaw fall to the floor. From the outside, the money being thrown around might make no sense. But actually, a delicate dance of supply and demand and strategy happens. Teams practice for it. 8.5. 9. 10 crores. 11.5. sold. That's from a video we put out a while ago. It shows the management taking part in a mock auction before the real one. All the big wigs are there. They're sitting around a table with their laptops open. Their research is in front of them. And they're going through all the scenarios of how the bidding may go. We've done really well to get Jamison, to be honest, because he's our first choice and meant that we're able to get him. It's not always going to work out that way. So we've got to decide how far we're going to go. That's Mike Hessen our Director of Cricket Operations. You'll hear the amounts beeped out, but this is how they prepare for the auction. 
those final bids may come as a shock to you and me, but not to these guys. It takes them out of the equation, same with Jai, and then it leaves us to be able to pick up Jamison in the back end. If we've, if we've allocated, if we allocate between Maxwell and, and our seam bowler, we can get that easily. On the day of the auction, the bidding went exactly as planned. As for Kyle, well, let's just say it wasn't quite what he expected. Yeah, I remember exactly where I was. I was in Christchurch. We'd, um, we had a T20 series come up against Australia. This was Kyle's first time in the auction. All he wanted was to get picked. The Thursday night going into Friday was the auction was overnight. And I was kind of, had made peace with the fact that I was like, I'm just going to sleep. Like I said, the auction's going to unfold the way it's going to unfold. I'm not going to be able to control it by staying up. And it was about, I don't know, one or two in the morning or something like that. So I was like, sweet. And went to sleep and woke up about, I want to say about 10 o'clock, woke up about 12.30 and was like, I'll just check and see if I'd been, you know, if I'd gone through that process yet and I hadn't come up here, I think it was a bit delayed and I was like, oh, well, like I'm awake now. I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. Like, you know, like this may never happen again. So I'm just going to enjoy the process. And I was watching, uh, I was watching one of the Avengers movies. I'd gone through from start to finish. I was on Endgame at that point. I thought, right, I'm just going to watch this until my name comes up. So I was watching that pause name come up and then, like three, four minutes of just like craziness really. And I didn't know what the conversion rate was from rupees to, to New Zealand dollars. And Shane Bond was missing me at the time. He was involved with Mumbai and he was saying, oh, geez, how good is this? And I was like, oh yeah, it's cool. Like people are bidding on me. I don't, yeah, I don't know how much it is or what. And he said, mate, you're at this much. And I was like, oh, geez, okay. And then again, more and more. And I was just like, wow. Like I just had never in my wildest dreams that I thought that that price you know, price tag would have been stuck with my name. And I called my partner, she was in Wellington at the time and uh, she didn't pick up first time. And then I called again and she picked up and she was sort of half asleep. And I said, and she's like, oh, you know, what's wrong? And I said, oh, I've just been picked up. And she goes, oh, okay. And I said, for quite a lot of money. And she's went, okay. And I said, you know, like quite a lot of money. And she's like, how much? And I told her and she just went, oh, sh <laughs> you know, and she was sort of lost for words. I was lost for words. And um, I spoke to my mum and dad after that. And it was just like, Again, it was such a, a weird, like it was a such a cool experience, but such a weird experience in a way because I just never in my wildest dreams did I think that was going to happen. And I hadn't like trying to comprehend that amount of money off the back of the last five years of earnings was just like something completely different and trying to process that in amongst, we were in an international group at that stage. So there were some guys that had been picked up, some guys that hadn't, some guys that were on different amounts of money. So you're trying to, you know, process that a little bit and everyone wants a piece of that at that point there's media and there's messages and you just it's quite overwhelming in a way and it took me a while like I said to to sort of step back and to process that and process the expectations around it and you know I think ultimately for me I was like I would have come for any amount you know it was if I'd gone for base price great if I'd gone for what I've gone great I just wanted to come here and learn and then ultimately try and help whatever franchise I was picked up by to try and win the title so we're going to come back to that mind-blowing number a few more times in the episode. But it's important to remember that this young man is about so much more than just the money. He didn't ask for any of this. He was just a fast bowler in New Zealand, hungry for an opportunity. I always wonder when you have such a big price tag attached to your name, at what level does the pressure of the money start playing on your mind? Yeah, it's certainly there. It's a hard one because there's no sort of manual of how to how to deal with that situation. Like, you know, if I think of my 
mindset going into the auction was just like, please get picked up. I'll go for anything. I just want to get here and experience the IPL and be involved with different players and learn different ways of, you know, of playing the game and how how the game's approached. And I was only, you know, pretty much 12 months into my international career. So I was very, very young in that sense and was like, hey, just like small steps. I played a little bit of test cricket, a um, little bit of one day, a little bit of T20. So I was sort of growing, I guess, incrementally. And then all of a sudden, you know, this big price tag is put on your back a little bit in a way. And the expectation is that you perform at that at that number, whereas you know potentially you're at a different stage of your career, and yeah, it's hard to deal with. I think initially, and there's just no way of dealing with. Like, I guess of knowing how to deal with it, with short of actually going through it and actually processing it all. So it certainly took me, I think, a, a fair while to, you know, I think probably until I got to India for the first half to actually process what had happened. I guess the two months prior to that, and just trying to be at peace because you know, it is such a big number in, in relation to what you have been earning in the rest of your life. So to actually process that takes a wee while. In Jemo's first season in the IPL, he ended up playing nine matches for us and taking nine wickets. He also made some useful runs down the order, but talking to him, it sounds like he's still trying to get grips with the windfall. Yeah, it's certainly changed, I think. Like we've noticed how much our life, like myself and my partner's life has changed in the last six months, especially at home, you know, your income bec suddenly becomes so public. Whereas in the past people don't, you know, it's just sort of, it's not really a thing. Everyone doesn't walk around with a piece of paper saying, I make this much money. And all of a sudden everyone knows that and then they judge you rightly or wrongly for that based off your performances and they expect certain things. And have you been at the end of one of those? I mean, is there an incident that you remember where you went? I'm, I'm more than just this amount that's been put on my head, you know? I mean, I'm more than this. I'm human. I mean, don't judge me by the amount of money that you see in the paper. Have you had a moment like that? Well, until I got to India, I think that whole time period was was that I think every person I bumped into in the street was wanting to talk about the IPR, want to talk about the money. There's a lot of financial conversations. And at this point, I was also like, I haven't, made anything like yes the auctions happened but nothing's sitting in my bank account and people say oh what are you doing with it and all of a sudden I'm just like geez like let's just settle down a little bit here I'm still you know we're part of an international series at that time as so I'm trying to focus on that um, I haven't got any money in my account like I'm still trying to process all this but every conversation tended to lead towards the auction and the price tag and everyone wanted to focus on that and I was just like I'm still here, I'm still me, I'm still trying to learn, still trying to get better. I'm still young in my international career, I'm still trying to grow. Certainly I think for a lot of people, they lost sight of that, for me, became hard to try and keep that front of mind and it's probably something now I'm still trying to work through. You might be wondering just what team saw in this Kiwi that made him such a hot property. Well, he had the kind of start to his career that few people can even dream of. I'll share with you those numbers, but first, I want to go back a few more years and dig deeper into what sparked this love for cricket. Because he didn't start out as a fast bowler. My earliest memory is actually probably a little bit before I started playing. Um, my old man used to play a little bit of cricket, play a little bit of club cricket. So um, he'd play on a sad day um, down at the local club and mum would take myself and my sister down. That was always a, sort of a highlight. We'd go down, we'd get a sort of little um, punnet of chips um, and drink of some sort of juice or a parrot or something like that and in the old club rooms at the ground there used to be like a sort of concrete wall and it had stumps sort of painted on the wall and we'd sort of spend hours just um, whoever you know whatever kids were down there just sort of bowling at that or batting and doing that sort of thing so that was probably my earliest earliest memory and then um, going into the change room after the game with uh, with all these sort of old guys and 
sitting around. It's very much old school cricket, having a few beers and um, yeah, just talking a bit of smack and that sort of thing. So that's probably my first memory of going along and watching playing. I think was just probably around school. I think that school age, um, sort of five six, just basically just playing with your mates. You'd play at lunchtime, you'd play at morning tea time, you'd go Friday nights, and just it's just such an enjoyable time. Eh? It's just you know to be able to play with your mates and. You play the game, and I guess, in the purest form, I think, in terms of enjoyment. So, yeah, it's certainly, certainly fun to look back on. Stay right here. There's a lot more to come after this quick break. Show your team some love. Get the Kotak RCB debit and credit card. SMS my team to five six seven six seven double eight or visit kotak.com. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. This is the RCB podcast powered by Kotak Mahindra Bank. If you watched Kyle on TV, you'll know he's very tall, six feet eight inches. In fact, for perspective, he's taller than Michael Jordan or Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He could have easily taken a basketball, but it was always cricket for him. Yeah, I think so. I think probably more so leading on from my old man playing. So cricket was always right from when I remember, sort of three, four, five. That was always a part of my life. Dad played cricket, he loved cricket, there's always cricket on the TV. So that was always, I guess, front of mind. I think cricket in New Zealand certainly growing a lot in the last decade. Yeah, I think, you know, the New Zealand team was still well followed when I was growing up, but it's certainly grown in popularity over that time period. And I certainly tried to play as many sports as I could. I, I played football growing up when I was sort of quite little and then transitioned into rugby league and into basketball as well, which is probably not a surprise to many people. But yeah, tried my hand at that for a wee while and just basically enjoyed playing any sport I could. And yeah, I think cricket eventually took over. But for a wee while, it was sort of just neck and neck with a lot of other sports, which was which is pretty cool to look back on. Which is interesting, right? You talk about playing basketball and I just realized that you're one of the tallest people in cricket, I guess. <laughs> so did fast bowling come naturally or was it a process of the height coming in and somebody saying, hey, you should bowl fast because you're tall? Yeah, it was a bit of combination of that really. So my dad was a batter. So I grew up wanting to bat. I spent most of my childhood right through high school sort of opening the batting or batting three. Um, when I dreamed of playing for New Zealand or playing cricket professionally, I wanted to I wanted to score hundreds. I wanted to score test hundreds. I wanted to score lots of them. And whilst I still bowled, I was probably an all-rounder, but I still I hung my head on my batting performance. So if I went home after a game and I'd scored 50 but got smacked for 50 or four overs, then I was happy because I'd scored 50. Versus if I'd taken three wickets and got out for 10, I would have been, uh, you know, not as happy. So runs was sort of where I sort of hung my hat on and um, wasn't until uh, end of high school, I was transitioning into university and I had a, uh, um, a national tournament down in Christchurch and they were picking the New Zealand under 19 team from that tournament. And um, it was probably my first time that I'd sort of bowled a little bit more. And one of the coaches that was involved down there just said, like, look, you're this height, six, seven, six, eight, whatever I was at that, um, at that stage, and you need a bowl. And you need a bowl and you need to run in a lot faster. And um, I was sort of like, oh, okay. So I used to just basically just over a walk into the crease and yeah, decided to start running a little bit harder. And it literally like just the spark sort of ignited in me. I was like, oh, okay, this is actually something different. I can actually run in harder. I can actually bowl a little bit faster. The aggressiveness that comes out of fast bowlers just, yeah. just came through and just fell in love with it, really. Um, I still love batting, but I fell in love with fast bowling and I guess the intricacies that come along with that. And yeah, it's been seven years now of trying to learn that, but yeah, I've loved every step of it. A lot of people would be glad that he stuck to bowling because he's a very special fast bowler. Like other tall bowlers, he can get a good bounce. But unlike a lot of others, 
he can also get it to move both ways with late swing. Which all means that if you think his auction numbers are insane, you should see his bowling figures. In a T20 back home in New Zealand a couple of years ago, he took six wickets for just seven runs. He's played eight tests for New Zealand since his debut in 2020 and he's already got 46 wickets. He's taken at least five wickets in an innings five times already in those eight tests and he was a big part of why they won the ICC World Test Championship. And he seems to love playing against India. On his ODI debut, which was against India, he made 25 in an unbroken ninth wicket stand of 76 and took two wickets. No surprise that he was player of the match that day. He was again player of the match at the World Test Championship final at Lords, where he got Virat Kohli out in both innings. It's a taboo topic. I haven't I haven't brought it up. I don't I don't know if it's kosher to bring it up or not. Um, again, for me, like it's not the individual, the personal battle between myself or him or myself and anyone else in that team. It was about us trying to win a game of cricket and ultimately win that title. And yes, it fell my way twice in that game, which was great and. That's how you measure yourself, is trying to compete against the best in the world. I know there'll be plenty of days to come where he'll have my number, and just like any player in the world, they'll have my number. And that's a challenge that excites me. It's, you know, I, that's why you go head to head with the best in the world. And um, look, it was certainly very pleasing to be on the right side of that. I think for, I guess, the greater purpose, you know, for New Zealand, it was it's very humbling to see how much winning that game meant to New Zealand. You know, we haven't had a whole lot of success in terms of winning tournaments. We've been pretty close over the last last few years, but um, you know, to get over the line and to see what that meant for a number of guys on our side and, and for the country was pretty special. And just to play a small role in that was pretty pleasing. That's the remarkable thing about the IPL. You get to play and compete alongside those that you've idolized and you see a completely different side of them. I reckon the biggest moments, like you look at the IPL and like every day and every couple of days with games and trainings and you're constantly coming up against different teams and different environments where you actually have to take a moment and go like, geez, like four or five years ago, 10 years ago, I was watching these guys and just like, this is this is crazy. So I, it's probably hard to recall a specific moment, but like I look at every time I walk on the park last night, you look and you go, geez, look, like these are guys that I've watched on TV for ages, have got phenomenal records. And even in our, even in our dressing room, there's like a huge range of guys that, you know, you just go, wow, like this is, so it's pretty surreal to be in the same changing room and to have these conversations and to, to share a drink after the game and um, to go and play around a golf with and these sorts of things, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy to think that you're doing that when, you know, even a couple of years ago, you're watching these guys absolutely smash on TV, so. In the RCB dressing room with people like Virat and AB in there, it can feel especially surreal. And that's something you really can't put a price on. I remember the first time with Virat was, so my first international series was against India. And my first game was a one-dayer and he death-stared the crap out of me just like when he was batting and I was bowling and I was just like, oh, oh my gosh, like he's going to take me down here. And again, like having watched him play for so many years and like smashed it for so many years, you're just thinking, oh, like how am I even going to compete, let alone, you know, like try and succeed here. And that was, that was a pretty surreal kind of time. And then to be in the same team and see the completely other side of guys. You know, you only see them on the on the field and you don't know them, so there's no personal relationship there. And then I compare that to like the Test Championship when we'd had the first part of the IPL and we had that relationship and it was a lot more jovial and it was competitive, but it was sort of, there was a bit of banter and which is really cool 
for me personally. And then, like you said, with AB, again, who's done so well for such a long period of time and growing up watching and then to come into an environment and just to, again, share the change room. And I remember in, in Chennai, we were, I was down by the pool and that was when I first met him. I was just like, holy, holy shit, this is, <laughs> this is pretty crazy. So, uh, Did, did you a, walk up and say hi to him or did he come? Well, I think I was just on the side of the pool, just sort of mind my own business and um, he'd walk past, he um, had his family there and, you know, hi, how you going? Nice to meet you, that sort of thing. And um, obviously as time goes on, the relationship grows, but you still have those moments today. I think obviously there's a lot more of a personal relationship and a lot more banter flying around and a lot more normality to those relationships than probably at the start. But yeah, it's certainly even now, you just gotta, again, keep the perspective of, of the little kid that was. I find it quite remarkable how these guys switched from teammates one day to opponents the next. Chemo's actually got Virat out three times in tests. I think it comes with being with being a competitor, I guess. You're there to, to win your game. So I think everyone's, but like I said a bit earlier, like that was the cool part is that whilst he was batting, like there was smirks and there's little jove, like little jokes and it was quite jovial. But then, you know, I think as every cricketer, when they step into the box and face up and when you turn to start your run up, you sort of switch into, into game mode. And it's not a, really about who's at the other end. It's about what am I, what am I trying to do? What's my plan? And you know, to be quite honest, it doesn't really matter who's standing there. I'm just trying to execute what I'm trying to do. And right. if that's if that's Virat, great. If it's Boomer, great. You know, like it's that's that's kind of where it is. Obviously, it's a lot harder to get Virat out, but that's just kind of the mindset you have. And then, but then obviously, when you step away from that and you cross cross the boundary line and you have a joke or you're sort of in between overs, you have a joke. And it's as a cricketer, you're, you're always you're always switching on, switching off um, between trying to do your job and then also the relationships. And I think he's one of the best in the world in understanding that cricket is a game and yep, we want to win, but also, you know, there's relationships and it is just a game and we're human beings and, you know, we can have a laugh and still compete and go head to head and then, cool, you know. There was a story doing the rounds some time ago that Virat asked Kyle to bowl Duke balls to him at the RCB Nets. Dukes is the brand of ball that was used in the Test Championship. It has its own characteristics and it takes some time for batters and bowlers to get used to it. Especially if they've been playing with other common brands like SG or Kookaburra. The story, which was told by RCB's Dan Christian, was that Virat asked Jemo to bowl to him and Jemo refused. But it wasn't quite like that. In a lot of different versions of it and there's been a little bit of text added to it as well. It was, um, it was one of the first training sessions we had. I was sitting there with DC and... We obviously had the test championship coming up. That was we all knew that was happening at the end of the IPL, and we were just talking about the Duke's ball. And Virat asked if I'd bowled one before. I said no, no, I hadn't. Um, but I had a couple of balls in my bag that at the back end of that tournament I was going to see if I could just bowl a couple of overs just to try and get used to it. And he had a box in his room as well to do this, you know do the same thing. So just towards the back end, as you're transitioning, just whether he could get some practice. And he said, oh well, we can do some practice at the back end if you want. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sweet, sounds good. And so that was it. That was the end of the conversation. He walked off, I think, to go hit some more balls. And I was talking to DC and I said, I said, oh, he's not silly, is he? And he goes, oh, what do you mean? I said, well, if we go and practice together, he's going to have a look at what I do with the ball and all that sort of stuff. And I said, oh, no chance of that. So, and then DC told the story and it got sort of blown out. And there was never an ask of, can you bowl to me or, you know, all that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I guess it's probably better to let that story run a little bit and then I guess with how things unfolded from my end, it's certainly, uh, certainly quite funny. If you had practiced with him, I don't think you would have got him out twice. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the thing. And that's why I said it to DC. I was like, guys, 
who are the best in the world, like it doesn't take them long to pick up what you do and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, if you if they see something once, like they won't make the same mistake again. So I think if I bowled a spell or a couple of trainings or anything like that during the IPL, it certainly would have turned the tables a little bit. So maybe that's worked in my favour of it. Yeah, and, and maybe that's the last time I'll get him. So um, he's he's seen a little bit now, and obviously with trainings here as well, he's seen a little bit. So um, I've got a challenge on my hands coming up when we play them next. That's another thing about Jemo. Despite all the success, all the awards, and yes, all that money, he hasn't lost sight of what he's really in this for. I'm not. I haven't really been a big one around personal, like sort of trying to achieve certain things. Um, I love to win. So there's you know there's World Cups, there's the IPL. I love to win. Um, there's those sorts of goals. I think it's not so much, for me, it's not so much around the personal achievements, it's the team stuff and how you can contribute to that. So I sort of tend to look in smaller periods and go, okay, right, what's the next sort of three months hold? How am I going to contribute my way through the next few months and trying to, to ultimately win? You know, it's, it's not it's not for me about, you know, winning purple caps or orange caps or or MVP of tournaments and stuff. It's it's about holding the trophy at the end and it's more so the, you know, the name on the front than, you know, than the name on the back for me. I have a feeling that in the years to come, when we talk about Kyle Jameson and the IPL, we'll be talking about so much more than just his price tag. Because his journey in international cricket and in the IPL is only just starting. I can't wait to see what he does next. I only hope that it doesn't involve getting Virat Kohli out over and over again. Like, I think as a cricketer, you always, you always dream of these things, right? So you're, you're growing up and like, I was never... I guess a superstar growing up through my age group teams. Like I was okay and could play some cricket, but I mean, playing domestically in, in New Zealand was probably a tough goal to try and crack, let alone playing internationally or then playing IPL. I think you always look at these tournaments and go, how cool would it be to do that? And I think I always had a bit of blind faith in the way that I would find a way to make it and how that looked, I wasn't quite sure, but that was certainly what I was trying to chase and would it have happened probably as quickly as I thought? No, probably not. It's sort of happened pretty quick, but to reflect on the last six months of being in a position where I can actually put my name into the auction and actually be a realistic chance of being picked up, um, to then be picked up and to be here and just be a part of this tournament, albeit in a very trying time globally, it's, yeah, it's pretty surreal and I think it's not something that I'll really appreciate it until I probably have time to look back and reflect on how far I've come. Show your team some love. Get the Kotak RCB debit and credit card. SMS my team to 5676788 or visit kotak.com. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for listening to the RCB podcast. How the IPL changed my life. This podcast was produced by the Royal Challengers Bangalore in collaboration with ATS Studio. Gaurav Vaz is the podcast producer and Karunya Keshav wrote this episode. The title track and sound design was by Madhav Ayachit and Ankit Suryakant mixed and mastered this episode. Thanks to Kyle Jameson for taking the time out to speak to me. The full video of our conversation is on the RCB YouTube channel. Thanks also to Ajit Ramamurthy who conceptualized this podcast and put everything together. Ajit is the man behind all the amazing content that RCB produces. And finally, thank you to the Royal Challengers Bangalore and all of you the fans for your unwavering support and encouragement. We play bold because you believe. 
If you've got this far, you're absolutely the best. Thanks again for listening. I'm Danish Seth. See you on the next episode of How the IPL Changed My Life.